to Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. Well, folks, it's only me this time. Corey is feeling a little under the weather and just a little gross. So he's going to sit this one out and we'll take care of it. No problem. Thanks for tuning in again. We have another awesome guest. As you know, Scott Campbell is on this week's episode. Really, really fun and interesting discussion. But hey, before we introduce him, there's a couple things I want you guys to know. As you know, Walton Webcasting is the best way to see livestock. They are saving my life, literally. I wish I could get down there in Oklahoma. They covered both the Fall Classic and the Perfect Timing Pig Sale. I heard both were a huge success. Uh, perfect timing sale, I think, was a, another uh, the first million-dollar sale. If uh, Mr. Kennedy there sent me a Snapchat, and uh, so congratulations to that crew. Heard that was awesome. And then, of course, Fall Classics, always a good time. Got several social media posts and Snapchat updates from that deal. So if you missed it, like I did, go to the archives on waltonwebcasting.com and see it all again. That's why they're there, folks, not to mention... They have On the Road with Greg. On the Road with Greg. Which is hilarious. His uh his deal that he he posts every time he goes to a show. I look forward to that every time. So if you missed it, again, go to the archives, waltonwebcasting.com. Livestock like you've never seen it before. Speaking of livestock like you've never seen it before, our guest today, Mr. Campbell, is involved with Show Cattle Connection, and they happen to be a title sponsor. This is all coming together, and I love it. Show Cattle Connection has a group of people, like Scott himself, that represent the company. Not only do they help you sell your cattle if you have a group of calves to get sold, but they can lead you in the right direction if you're on the buying end of things. Show Cattle Connection is a revolutionary website that allows you to buy livestock with confidence. We love our folks there at Show Cattle Connection, and they are having some really, really good sales. Check it out, showcattleconnection.com. Look at all the sales they have. They have like a ton coming up. It's calf buying season, guys. Get on Show Cattle Connection, the best way to buy your cattle. Uh, and also, I promised I would do this on social media, so might as well jump right into it. I had an awesome experience this past weekend on Saturday. I went down to the old stumping grounds there at Plain City, Ohio. Actually, that's the home of the Wint Group, which is also Show Cattle Connection and showpig.com. Anyways, I went down there and uh, had an awesome adventure with a bunch of really, really talented kids. I was invited by a previous guest and a really good friend and mentor, Tracy Denninger, who you've heard a couple episodes ago, has a monumental role in the Ohio FFA. So she invited me down there to what they call the finalist frenzy. And for those of you who heard that episode, there was 27 kids who have proficiency and placement and SAE projects that uh, they're going to go to the national convention this week to compete. So all of those 27, most of them, I should say, uh, all met up at the Tolls uh, Career Center there in Plain City. And there were several industry folks uh, like myself and many other teachers and just uh, people who are involved with agriculture every day. 
and we did a mock interview process just like they were going to do uh, what they're going to do this week. So it was really awesome. Uh, we drilled these kids with very hard questions about their projects that they endured over the last couple of years. Some of them are in college, so they're still in uh, the FFA programs trying to win their national award. And I was blown away by the amount of success these kids have had at a very young um, young age. And um, I think the FFA every day for the amount of experiences I had, I honestly wish I dug in a little bit deeper to do a little bit more record keeping and a better or a bigger, I should say, SAE project. So Tracy pushed me to get my uh, state degree and she kept pushing me to go further, um, but I was a little too stubborn. And I didn't go the level that these kids were. So shout out to all 27 that are on the road to the uh, national convention. Super pumped for the state of Ohio. I know I'm kind of very biased there. But man, those are very, very talented kids who I was blown away by the way they answered my tough questions. They stood in a panel of four people who were just nailing them with question after question. And each one of them were very professional and calm, and I think they are prepared as good as we can absolutely get them. So kudos to you guys. If you're listening, good luck, and bring us back some some hardware, some national finalists. Huge success to you guys. Well, that's my story. Uh, of those of you who saw it on Facebook, such a good time. But we're here to get to the episode. Mr. Scott Campbell, I'm not even going to try to introduce him like Corey does because he's the one that does it best, Um, but I'll give you a little glimpse of what you're going to hear. Scott Campbell is a hilarious cat. Uh, We got to work out with him a couple times at the ranch there when Corey and I were at uh, Blackhawk, and that was the time where, where you'll hear the story where we saw Mr. Jarrett Boyert got drugged by one of Grant Malone's calves across the pasture. That was pretty comical, uh, dangerous, but comical. Uh, He goes into what he does with his bottom third. He's not just a show cattle uh, business, which I didn't know that until we interviewed him. So without further ado, folks, help me welcome Mr. Scott Campbell. Scott, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, we're looking forward to this one. Also, get some cattle, more cattle knowledge. So, hey, just to get things kicked off here, just tell us where you're from and, of course, uh, what you do for a living. So, I'm from Little York, Illinois. Um, born and raised here. Um, my uh, so what I what I do for a living um, is something a little different every day. It seems we have about a hundred cows. Uh, about 3,200 acres of row crops. Um, this time of year, you can see me doing anything from about, uh, you know, rinsing and blowing and clipping and picturing a club calf to running a grain cart to consulting live sales to, you know, being a rep for Show Cattle Connection. I'm um, out looking at cattle for that, uh, hunting cattle for some families. Um, don't do a lot of trading anymore like we used to, but still do some, uh, just, it, it just seems like it's a little something different every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, doesn't we, sound like you're very busy at all. Uh, <laughs> I have a, I have a house to pack up here in Indiana. So if you're, or here in Illinois, actually, so 
you want to come help? That'd be great. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'll, uh, so yeah, I, I, I'll send my five and three year old over there to help you. They, they really think they're helpers. Um, oh yeah. May, maybe not so much, but, uh, you couldn't convince them of that. <laughs> Yeah, we love our folks there at Show Cattle Connection. Uh, and before we kind of dig into your own operation there, uh, maybe lead us a little into uh, what that new venture is about and what you do as a as a rep for them. So it, the new venture, I mean, it uh, I think it was just Todd seeing an opportunity within the business um, to do things a little different to to kind of take the the dirt road here. Um, you know, there's obviously other successful online platforms, but uh, I think Todd just kind of felt like, uh, you know, there was a void within in that that we could fit into. Uh-huh. Um, and as far as what I do for for Show Cattle Connection, I'm I book sales. Um, obviously, being a rep, we always try and get there to view the cattle for whatever sale we do book we try and assist as much as we can selling cattle and it's it uh it has really taken off for us it's going really really well do you know do you know how many reps there are now scott you know i don't um i don't pay attention to that nearly <laughs> as much as i could um you know i know that that we started with quite a few and and it just kind of seems to keep building we're kind of getting somebody in every area of the country for, for people wherever that want to have a sale with us, there's going to be somebody within, you know, uh, an hour or two of them that can sure get, get them some help. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, Scott, you're pretty well seasoned, uh, in, in the, the cattle business. Trevor <laughs> are, you, and I. are you calling me or, old Corey? <laughs> hey, I'm being politically correct and calling you well seasoned. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, fair enough. <laughs> You know, Trevor and I have had the opportunity to come out to your guys' place and and uh, work out on some cattle when we were back at Blackhawk, and uh, I always find it interesting to learn where people got their start. So, tell uh, tell some folks here that are listening uh, what what really got you started in the cattle business and and how you kind of built up to what you're doing today. So, just like everybody else, it started with a 4-H project. Um, showed cattle not competitively at all when I was in 4-H and FFA, um, you know, we basically had a commercial operation here when I was young, uh, retained ownership feed program. You know, my grandpa fed cattle for years just because that's what you do. Um, and you know, I, I showed a lot of those. Um, my biggest accomplishment as a showman was my senior year of high school. I won my class in the shorthorn heifers at the Illinois state fair. Oh, nice. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I saw that picture not very long ago. Boy, she wasn't very good. It was <laughs> 1998. Uh, things have changed just a little bit since then. So I guess Corey called me old. I just dated myself saying 1998 was my senior year in high school. Um, <laughs> So, no, that's, uh, that's what we love to hear about because, I mean, you said you're up to a hundred cows now. So, uh, I mean, did, did that big win with the shorthorn kind of kick things off and say you, you wanted to kind of get some cows too, or was it, did you get a group of them from somebody or was it one by one that you added to the herd? It was really one by one. And it was, it was honestly, when I went to Blackhawk, um, uh, we had never, 
we'd raised some semis and some shorthorns and some stuff like that, but uh, went to Blackhawk with a great team, great group of guys. Um, and man, I got, I got bit by the show cattle bug. Oh yeah. And I haven't been able to shake it since. And <laughs> we, uh, yeah. So not too long after I got home, I started breeding for steers, um, had minimal success with the cows that we had trying to do that. So I just basically went out and started picking up stuff that I liked. Um, probably didn't go about it the smartest way in the beginning. I didn't pay much attention to cow families. I didn't pay much attention to, to genetics whatsoever. I just went out and if I saw a cow I liked, I figured out a way to buy her. I didn't have any money because <laughs> I was in my mid twenties, early twenties. So I was able to convince some people to partner with me, kind of air quotes on the partner. Yeah. They would uh they would buy the cows. I would keep them here. Um, I would sell the calves and we would split them. Uh, Did quite a bit of that. Uh, Sold a lot of cattle on shares. You know, you let me sell your calf. I take a third. Everybody moves on. Uh, Starting out, my third of that a lot of times was about $500, which probably didn't cover the cost of my feed and, you know, whatever little bit of extra labor I had from the outside. And it, uh, yeah, but boy, I really thought I was going somewhere and doing something. Well, you own a hundred uh, of them now, so evidently uh, the partnerships must have worked out a little bit then. Yeah, they did. It was it was a good way to get started because I, like I said, I didn't have all I had was some pasture that my family owned, um, and that was about it. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's there'd be a lot of people to thank for helping me get started and the list is long and I know I'll miss somebody. So I don't even really want to start on it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, well, that sucked because yeah, I was getting it, ready to ask, uh, who were, who were some of the guys that, that helped you get going early on, uh, with some of that stuff? <clears throat> well, I, I'll name a few and whoever I miss, I don't want you to be pissed at me. <laughs> um, Gary Simpson from Alexis, Illinois. He was one of the the guys that just really showed a lot of confidence in me early and, and really for no good reason. Um, you know, his daughters, Grace and Gretchen showed a lot of nice steers from us, did a great job. Uh, Todd line, boy, he, uh, you know, they've been as competitive as anybody in the country in the show steer ring. And they didn't ever necessarily get any steers from me because I was a kid down the road, you know? Uh, but as far as partnering on cows and, and just drive and in a little bit of direction todd was was one of the early ones that sure helped it sure seems like you guys in western illinois are very uh blessed with an abundance of of good livestock people i mean just that area i mean you mentioned alexis i mean you're talking multi-species good good stock people oh it's crazy over here man it's you don't have to drive very far down the road to to see somebody that's just been really successful with whatever species they've been doing. I mean, uh, go south of us, there's Bob Dwyer, Mike Houston, uh, right around here, there's the Shike family, yeah. uh, Moose Johnson, uh, th- those other two guys that I mentioned. I mean, it's, it's just nuts. You bet. Yeah, that was quite the experience coming, uh, a, a pig kid from Ohio, jumping right into the heart of the, the cattle industry in the Midwest. That was, uh, all those names ring a bell. Um, so 
So we mentioned the past of your operation. Now I kind of want to jump into where you're at now. So maybe just touch on, uh, I know you kind of gave us a brief overview of the 100 cows, 3,200 acres, but uh, what breeds do you focus on now? Is it more uh, the steer side? You, are there heifers? And just kind of whole kit and caboodle. So we, we breed mostly for, for steers, for club calves. There was a time a few years ago I really thought I was going to get a hold of this breeding cattle thing, and boy, it looked easy, and I was going to show everybody. Um, <laughs> boy, it's sure not as easy as it looks from the outside. I can tell you that. Oh yeah. Um, and it's not, and it's definitely not my first love either. Um, you know, obviously had some breeding cattle that I showed growing up and whatever, but there's just something about a show steer that I can't seem to get away from. So we are definitely breeding more that direction all the time we obviously breed some for replacements and uh the other part of our operation that just started to kind of take off here about a year ago is we have a a deal called sumner point beef which is our retained ownership <clears throat> feedlot and we sell we have a meat broker's license we sell packaged beef and all sorts of different boxes and all sorts of things it's all non-gmo corn finished so you really know that found doesn't a, matter really found a niche there <laughs> oh it's it's been great i mean we honestly can't make it fast enough um non-gmo corn finish probably doesn't matter to 99.9 percent of the listeners that you guys have here right but to the suburban housewife uh they can't get enough of it <laughs> oh yeah my dad and I were actually just talking the other day. Uh, he he lives pretty close to to Dave Vansickle now, and they were talking. You know the the market in Indianapolis and surrounding areas, Carmel, Fishers, that that area is blowing up with niche market. Uh, you know, people want homegrown. You know, want to know how their animals were raised, that they're consuming, that sort of stuff. So pretty cool to to see that. And my dad actually had a guy come pay. I think it was like a $2 per pound premium on a fat lamb, uh, mm. you know, just to, just to have because he was nearby and he knew where it was and all this other stuff. So, yeah, I, I mean, this farm to plate thing is, is big and going to continue to get bigger. I think, um, people want to know mm-hmm. and they don't, a lot of them don't necessarily care, uh, if it's antibiotic free, if it's non GMO, if it's, whatever they just want to know right right uh so whatever story can be told about what's on their table boy they jump all over it hmm. oh that's that's interesting because my next question was going to be how do you market them but sounds like you have a spot for even the ones that maybe are the bottom third let's be honest every operation has a has a bottom third and uh or maybe there's a total separate entity it's kind of an interesting point on top of your show cattle. So, I mean, it's safe to say you use show cattle connection to market them, but in my uh, research before I jumped on here, my Facebook stalking, (laughs) uh, I noticed that you kind of opened up the barn this year to uh, just kind of sell out of the barn. We did. Yeah. Um, So we operate with minimal labor. (laughs) We don't have, and, and I've had some great help here. Don't get me wrong over the years. And I've had some interns from Blackhawk that have just been awesome. But um, I'm not selling 100 of them anymore. So the ones that we do market, you know, we just have, have here. And if people want to come look at them, great. We've sent a lot of pictures and videos. Uh, been a real good fall for us. We've been 
been real fortunate here to to get things sold and uh, hopefully got them in some good homes and do well. Um, we there's a possibility we might have an online sale here later on when things slow down just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't know about that for sure yet, I guess. And so yeah, talking about the bottom third, um, and depending on how lucky you are within a breeding season, sometimes it's a quarter and sometimes it's half right. of those <laughs> unmarketable livestock since we're especially since we're using club cast bulls, right? Um just part of the, the great consistency of what we do there. Mm-hmm. But uh it actually all started I had uh I Craig checked my replacement heifers and I had two that didn't breed for whatever reason. You know that that happens with replacement heifers, gilts you lambs, whatever. There's just some that don't get bred. Mm-hmm. So I, I put them on feed and got them fat. And my sister's a really big part of our operation, along with my dad and myself. Um, we actually do most things in thirds. And I had them fat, and I had them ready to go. And she kept telling me, "Hey, you know, this idea we've talked about about selling beef. We probably need to pursue this." And one day I got tired of looking at those two because they were at a farm that was a little ways away. And I got tired of driving up there and throwing them feed and just something else to do that didn't seem to be worth it. I loaded them up on the trailer, um, had them headed to the sale barn. I met her on the road, said, what are you doing? I'm taking these cows to the sale barn. I'm done. It's just a pain. I'm done messing with it. Uh, She instructed me I was to go unload them. She had an appointment at the locker. And that is how Sumner Point Beef was born. And she maybe didn't put it all quite that nicely, (laughs) but uh, those were the, those were the two guinea pigs. And we, we sent samples out to, you know, kind of outside of our normal people that would buy quarters or halves and sent my wife's from the suburbs of Chicago. And we sent quite a bit of stuff up to her family and friends up there. And the response was just ridiculous. Talking I mean, about this thing they'd ever eaten. Talking about those uh, urban housewives. I think uh, your wife may know a few. <laughs> yeah, she <laughs> she knows quite a few of them for sure, for sure. Yeah, God bless her for taking on this lifestyle that she had no idea what she was in for. <laughs> that's uh, that's so, not necessarily a bad thing in your case because that means uh, that means you can be right at least for, on a couple things. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, when I, I'm like a lot of guys in this business who, whose wives grew up in it, I go to the barn. I don't get any pushback. Yeah. Um, my, my, my five and three year old, uh, along with a longtime friend and guy that works for us, Nick boss, his two little kids, we're starting to show pigs, mm. um, and have been, you know, had a lot of fun with it, but I can go pick out projects and bring them home. And she doesn't say, well, you really screwed up there. That was not very good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, it's, we all need somebody that can name them for us and, and make sure that we're out there feeding them when we're supposed to. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. And <laughs> someone to wrangle the kids at the show while yeah, I'm yes. ultra competitive show dad. Um, and I can't imagine what I'm going to be like when they're old enough for it to actually matter because, uh, <laughs> right now I already kind of have to, I don't rein myself in. She reins me in. Yeah. yeah right. And uh, kind of reminds me sometimes that our kids are 
really young and probably doesn't matter nearly as much as I think it does. Man, that sounds pretty. If your truck does not sound pretty, there's one place you need to go to get this thing juiced up. It's Fleece Performance Engineering. They have everything you need to get your truck right to haul anywhere and have a reliable one at that. The guys over at Fleece Performance test their products like they use them, and they sure do. So, you know they can stand the the harshness of the everyday towing if you're out in the pasture loading cattle or just hauling your pigs to the next show whatever it may be go to fleece performance and test their complete lineup of race proven products they're just west of indy on i-74 folks fleece performance is the way to go i suggest you look them up fleece performance engineering back to the show well listen we've got a platform that'll that'll allow you to brag a little bit and we want people to hear what uh, Campbell Cattle Company has done in in, in recent and in previous years. So, uh, tell us just some of those major accomplishments, other than winning your class on the Shorthorn Heifers at Illinois State Fair. <laughs> <laughs> that you yeah. Guys have had. Uh, so we've we've been pretty lucky, and I mean we haven't raised anything that's one of Fort Worth or Kansas City or anything like that. But boy, we've been fortunate to work with some great people and. Um, you know, we've, we've had division winners at state fairs. We've had, you know, several breed champions. Hey, there was one year, oh God, it's probably been six or eight years ago. Um, we had a champion Maine at Ohio division champion and the crosses at Ohio, both with the Harsh family. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we had reserve grand steer at Illinois with the Simpson family. And then we had fourth overall steer at Iowa with the core family. So that's for a guy that doesn't just trade steers full time, which the guys that do hats off to them. Um, You know, it's, it's a grind. It's something that you just have to love because you're never going to get rich doing it. Yeah. But for, for a guy that was only trading, you know, 20 to 30, in a year to have four of them go out in the same year and, and really do well. That was, that was a big year for us. There's a, Oh, when I was on my, my kick that I was going to raise breeding cattle, we had, uh, we actually had a live auction and the lot one heifer was one that I really, really liked. She was a firewater 0641 purebred Charlet. Um, I was a huge fan of her. Not very many people were, there was a couple, couple people in the Fanabacker family from Colorado, they, they, they liked her. They didn't love her as much as I did, but they believed me and trusted me and they bought her. And that, that heifer ended up having a really nice run. And she won the Colorado state fair heifer show, uh, took her to Kansas city. I think she won her class. They just did, did great with her. And I guess more than what the cattle have accomplished, that means, way more to me uh-huh. right somebody somebody just actually listens to what you're saying every once in a while and you know grab that one that nobody else seemed to like that much and believe me and fed her and did a great job and won yeah well we talked on here a couple times too with you named some really awesome show families that everybody will probably know on here or at least a majority that's half the battle um 
A, you got to breed them right and make sure the uh, the livestock are worthy of uh, being fed right and, and winning a show. But, man, that other half is just as crucial. And the other half being the show families who who really care, who are out there morning and night, um, that don't let loose ends go untied. Um, they really get after it and, and note the details because uh, we've we've said it many times on this podcast alone where, you know, it's nice to sell the high dollar ones and we'll get on, on a topic about that later. But those aren't always the ones that win. It's really the ones who work the hardest and outwork everybody else are probably going to have the advantage when it comes to showtime. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And and when you say that that's half the battle, I think you might be light on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I think that, you know, the feeding and the extras and the taking care of them and, and just knowing, you know, these people that have these show steers in a cooler, man, they are married to those things for a hundred days. Yeah. Uh, and just, you know, they can tell you sometimes by the littlest thing that calf's doing how he's feeling, how he's gaining, uh, what's off about him, what's on about him. If he needs a hoof trim and if he needs this, he needs that. Just those little things mm-hmm. are, are just crazy. And they can make one from ultra competitive to fourth in his class. Oh yeah. No doubt. No yeah, doubt. Yeah. There's, there's Trevor and I talk often about, boy, it sure would be nice if we could just get a better show family <laughs> because, or, or, you know, you, you, <laughs> or at you least another one. <laughs> Right, right. You or you you know you sell one, and you're like you got high hopes for them, and then you get a picture later on in the summer, and you're like, oh, that's what that thing looks like now. Did not expect that. Yeah, so. I've been very and, fortunate in recent years. I mean, I'm sure Scott, you've you've quadrupled or more my numbers of show families, but uh, case in point is, I'm focusing so hard on the ones that truly care, um, and and I'll accept everybody with open arms, but. Before I even go out and start looking for them cattle, we have a nice little meeting and say, hey, let's get after it. How serious are we? Because I don't do anything half-assed, and if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. So that <laughs> if they know that from the get-go, how much work it actually is, then hopefully that kind of eliminates the bottom third of show families. <laughs> yeah, um, but and that's funny, and I couldn't agree more with both of you. The, the the other thing that that nobody wants to talk about that is an actual that is a big reality in this business is the show family that has more money than sense and as soon as that calf leaves the driveway you know that's the best he's ever going to look but mm-hmm. boy they had a big check and you got to take it if you're going to make a living <laughs> in this business no doubt i mean you hope that you can coach that family or at least add some sense but uh, and you I can. get it. I don't want to sound negative. <laughs> I, 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 I right. get you. And you know, but you just, there's some people who get it and there's some that don't, or there's some that just aren't willing to get it. And that's the worst. Um, but, yeah. but let's be honest. There's, like you said, you've had all the, that success. There's a lot of good ones out there. Uh, moral of the story is just be coachable. I mean, at least listen to what I got to say. Cause I did place the livestock for you after all. Yeah, exactly. And you know, there's sure a lot of people in this business that are better at it than I am. Um, and, and not just being coachable as a family, but as a livestock person, you've also got to be coachable and know that you don't know everything and ask for help. Right. Um, right. You know, I, I do that a lot, man. I've got a, I've got a great group of friends, you know, Todd Caldwell, obviously being one of them, Chad Holtkamp, 
I, I bounce a lot of stuff off of him, you know, not just show cattle, but cow calf things as well. Um, you know, again, a long, long list of people, but you better keep learning and you better know that you're not the best at this because there's always somebody better and you better try and learn from them. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny you bring that up because I was, uh, I won't name names, but I was on a bachelor party a couple of weeks ago and on said bachelor party, uh, one of the guys I was with got a text message from another gentleman asking if he, if he would guarantee a banner, if he bought the best one in the barn. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, it, well, it's easy, really. There's nothing to it. You just go, you know, you just take care of them for a little while and you go get a banner, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't believe it. And like, it honestly pissed him off, which I understand. Why would you yeah. feel the need to ask somebody that? And, and, and <laughs> it's like, I mean, yeah. We, we can breed them right and we can get you, you know, the, the top end of our stuff. But uh, there's a lot of, a lot of like that goes into getting selected for, a, for an overall banner. There's a lot of people, a lot of places you can go get a banner made. Um, yeah. if that's all the guy wanted, <laughs> you know, just go, go get him a banner made. And, sure. Yep. I'll guarantee anything, pal. Yeah. yeah right. Go ahead and get right in there and buy one. Grand that's champion right. customer. Here you go, buddy. <laughs> Yep, exactly. <laughs> Customer's always right. Here's your banner. That's it. That's it. Well, <laughs> all right. We keep talking about these how how expensive these livestock are and, and people spending money on them. So we're going to jump into topics from a hat because our topic is very centralized around this. So topics from a hat brought by Fierce Threads. The only apparel we use is from Fierce Threads. Fierce Threads is your number one source for high quality screen printing and embroidery. Put your business success at the forefront and upgrade your apparel today with Fierce Threads. Fierce-threads.com. Man, I'm getting real good at these ad reads. Good job, buddy. <laughs> uh, so Carson on on Instagram actually submits it's a question that goes right along with this. actually kind of nice. Uh, he says, livestock are becoming more and more expensive. Do you think this is a good thing or a bad thing? Pretty open-ended, and I think it's kind of heavy. So interested in what you got to say. So I can only really speak for it from a cattle standpoint. Um, and yeah, this is, this is good because there's a lot to say here. Uh, from a producer standpoint, obviously we want to, we want to sell them as high as we can. Right. We want to make as much money as we can. This is, this is a big chunk of our livelihood here. And a lot of other people that, that just solely do it for a living. They need to gather as many dollars as they possibly can. I, I completely get it. I'm on board with it. But just strictly from a cattle standpoint, these $100,000 show heifers, these $50,000, $70,000 steers, if we keep this up in the show cattle business, people are going to go to show on other livestock. Right. The cattle right. barn's going to be empty. And not that they're cheap, don't get me wrong, but you can get an awfully nice set of show pigs for ten grand for your kid, for, for several kids. Oh, I mean, just depending oh, yeah. on where you're you know, what you're wanting to do for 10 grand, um, in this show heifer thing right now, you better be busting your butt and have luck fall in your favor to go win a class. Yeah. Uh, well, and it's kind of one of those deals too. Like maybe the dollar amount isn't what needs to be said. It's, it's a per head per livestock or what species of livestock it is because 
I mean, obviously cattle, you got to put more into them. The overall cost is going to be more than what a barrel or a gilt would be. Um, but I think if you look at it as a per species basis, uh, we've kind of talked about this before, uh, Corey and I have, where they are getting more expensive. That's, that's just the way it is. Uh, so is everything else. And there's mm-hmm. always going to be affordable ones, I think, in my opinion. But I saw this come across and I thought it was in- interesting because it is both a good thing and a bad thing as long as you let it be. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, everybody can, not everybody, the majority of people can afford to do this. It's mm-hmm. just the level of competitive you want to be. And boy, all of us have sure seen that, that cheaper one, that diamond in the rough, get into a home that they really know what they were doing and go with all those high dollar ones. Yep. Right. Um, you know, this, they are getting more expensive. And the good ones are nearly, not the good ones, the great ones are nearly impossible to make these days. Yeah. Um, With, you know, as good as livestock's getting and what we expect them to look like, you know, those guys probably ought to get paid for them. (laughs) Um, Because we're we're searching for a needle in a haystack. The way we're wanting, you know, these best steers built, it is really, really hard to do it. But back from a, a show family standpoint, I don't have a good answer. How's that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's, there's lots of things you can do with your, your money or I guess your recreational budget. Mm-hmm. It's just whether you love this enough, your kids love it enough as a family, you make the commitment to, to do this and not go play, you know, traveling baseball or buy a boat or whatever it might be. It's just, a lot of people worry about how much it costs and it does cost a lot. And I realize that, you know, there's just not everybody's flush with cash and I would be included in that. And, uh, but it's just, it's more of a lifestyle than it is anything else, I guess, in my opinion. And if you want to do it, you're going to be able to find competitive livestock in your budget. Yep. It's just whether you want to want to do this or not. Well, I was talking to a buddy the other day, and uh, I actually mentioned this in our we, Trevor and I were not tooting our own horns, but we were we were lecturing at a college the other day. <laughs> I don't oh, know. Wow. I don't. I don't know what qualifies us as being guest lecturers, uh, but we were there. <laughs> and uh, at North Dakota State, we did a little virtual lecturing, and uh, I I brought up this conversation because I had a buddy of mine. Um, you know, we talked about it that the to buy the best livestock anymore, you're going to have to spend more money. And those livestock will get more expensive and there will be a larger gap between the really good ones and the average livestock. You know, the the average stock out there, I could put this in in perspective, you know, no longer will you be able to go buy, and this is in the future, you know, uh, uh, a $3,000, $5,000 steer and you know have a shot at doing anything besides you know maybe maybe you win your class or you're you're in the hunt you know in the top four or five in your class it's going to take a you know a 10 20 30 40 thousand dollar one to to even get close to that um that's what he was kind of bringing up is that these really good livestock are going to cost more money and the really average livestock are not going to bring what they're worth uh like they do today so i thought that was an interesting point 
And uh, I don't know if I wholeheartedly agree with that, but it, to some extent, I, I could see, I could see that being a topic of discussion here as we continue. Oh, I, yeah, for sure. And and I don't know that I completely agree with it either. You know, there's limits to everything. Um, but I guess I never saw a hundred thousand dollar heifer coming either. And maybe it does keep going. Maybe it does get higher. Um, but uh, again, you know, kind of going back to point I touched on a little bit ago, what we're, what we're wanting to make is pretty much a unicorn. It is just almost impossible to build a steer calf with great big legs, great big feet, a little bitty neck, a perfectly flat shoulder, and then expect a big back and a big ass. Yeah. Oh, and plenty of body. Right. And then you want him to move perfect. Yeah, those puzzle pieces really don't fit together. Uh, hell, you can barely draw it, let alone breed it to make one. You're not kidding, man. So, yeah, it, hey, I'm with you on that. Mo- most of the the cattle that would be close to what I described that have all the pieces, they don't move good enough. Mm-hmm. Or if they move good enough, they don't have enough muscle. Right. Or, you know, it's just there's a lot of give and take, and, boy, it's it's tough. And, you know, uh, off that same topic is, in my opinion, though, like as an evaluator, you almost got to just say, okay, the most of the best should always win. And... Those who are freaks, I mean, we've all seen those pieces of livestock that are like, I don't know how that thing is moving with that much muscle and power and rib and still being flat-shouldered and skinny neck. But it's almost, if the, if the, just where you're at, if it's a major, obviously you kind of expect those freaks. But if you're at a, a local show, then the ones who are the least messed up should win. And those who are pushing the limits without going past it probably are within the hunt. So you got to kind of, you know, get the best of both sides, but, you know, your priorities have to come in line. And as a breeder too, you know, if you want to emphasize one thing over the other, uh, it's just the most of the best in the end, in my opinion. Oh, I agree completely. Yeah. When, you know, obviously none of us have ever seen the perfect one and, Mm -hmm. and the priorities are where you want them to lie, but, um, Generally, I don't judge all that many shows, and um, I guess I'd probably like to do more than what I do. But anyway, uh, when you're out there prioritizing cattle, I agree completely. The one that has the least problems is probably where you need to to kind of fall towards Mm -hmm. because uh, especially at the local level like you talked um, you can sure get into some things with an awful lot of problems Yeah, and you just want to, you know, we want to encourage these people to buy good cattle, raise good cattle, breed good cattle. And that even matters down at that level because people are taking that home and putting it in their breeding program. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, Dallas mentioned, you know, for some reason, the, the late thirties to mid forties, guys aren't getting called to do enough shows and uh we're waiting we're waiting to see so you might be getting a call yeah yeah <laughs> not not that worried about it um, no. you know i i enjoy the few that i get to do and i like working with kids and it's sure a good time but 
Um, I don't think I'll probably be losing a whole lot of sleep if I no. don't get called <laughs> no, to do some shows. <laughs> no reason to. I mean, there's <laughs> there's always the bucket list shows that everybody you know that has interest in, in judging has, uh, you know, that you'd like to get the chance to do someday. But um, you know, we're we're working on uh, some ways to battle that. I guess I don't I don't know how to do it uh, or what to say to do it, but you know, creating a system to, that allows the right kind of people to judge shows that, that have been breeding livestock or have a good background and a solid foundation. Uh, sure would be nice to see more of those people judging shows, not just because uh, it would be good for their resume, but also nice to just enjoy watching somebody sort of a show instead of sitting on the sidelines and scratching your head. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm going to get up on my soapbox here for just a minute. Um I have a hard time going to a show and getting cattle that I have bred, um, busted my butt to sell, a family's busted their butt on them. Um, maybe I pulled that calf out of a snowbank. Uh, probably a pretty good chance I had to thaw its water when it was negative 40. Mm-hmm. Snow blowing up your ass. Um, <laughs> pulled them out of the mud. I have a hard time going to a show and having my cattle evaluated by someone who sits in an office Mm. and maybe that saying these things probably will get some of my family's beat. And I apologize in advance, but uh, I truly wholeheartedly believe that not that you have to be in the grind every day. Like some of us are. And I know people have jobs and do this on the side, which is probably a lot smarter than what I do. Um, But boy, uh, we talked about how hard it is to make them it's hard to keep them alive. It's hard to keep them growing the way they need to be vaccinated, doing all the things that give them a chance to be good livestock. Mm-hmm. Boy, those guys that, that, <laughs> that maybe don't own a cow or maybe uh, own some cows on paper. I have a hard time taking their opinion. I really, really do. Yeah, that that's an interesting point uh, because I mean there are several uh, good livestock minds who maybe aren't in the grind or they they do have that office job, but I I honestly think what it comes down to is the integrity of the person sorting them. Uh, you know, there's there's always uh, a bad apple no matter where you go, and those don't need to be in the ring. But it's just a matter of uh, you know if you don't own livestock, at least be courteous enough to to know about them i guess or if you have in the past at least have experience um understanding what it takes to to get it to a level that you're actually judging on yep and that's an interesting topic and uh you know something else too is you know we we always talk about these show families that um always they they just do everything right they pay attention to details we've kind of that's been the focus of this so far but uh one of the things we kind of wanted to bring out is there's no doubt that you've had a lot of successful families and that is due in part to you guys and the way you've bred them and the advice you give those people so maybe what are some of the biggest mistakes you've seen show families make in the past with their calves especially this time of year preparing for those busy fall and winter shows and maybe how do they correct those mistakes well, I think one of the biggest things as we go into winter is is a lot of show families overwork them. And there may be a lot of people out there that disagree with what I'm going to say, but uh, it starts getting cold. 
Um, you know, it takes a lot of energy for cattle to just be cattle. Give them a bath once a week, make sure they're warmed and poured. Uh, when you do spend, you know, when you do give them that bath, spend time on them, work their hair, do what you need to do, then leave them alone and let them be cattle. Yeah. Let them, let them gain, let them, you know, have plenty of space, give them a round bale of hay, just let them be cattle. And that, that is something that's really frustrating that has frustrated me over the years is overworking them. Boy, we got a show coming up next week. We're going to tie them up every day and we're going to do this and that. There's a pretty good chance that your 600 pound calf, when you mess with him every day, is going to look terrible <laughs> when you get him to the show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we always preach hard work, hard work, but sometimes you just got to kind of let nature take over. And it's, it's almost gets to the point where we, we have our hands on them too much, or maybe there's too many additives we're doing, especially in the pig game. You know, everybody wants to try the newest, greatest thing. Sometimes, uh, feed notes goes a long ways. So that, that's interesting. I mean, I, I'm not, uh, skilled enough in, uh, getting cattle ready enough to, to play in that game, but I know on the pig side, um, uh, that's, that's kind of nice just to let them cruise every once in a while, particularly, uh, when they're getting drug all over the country. So oh, for sure. So Scott, my, and, and it's just cause I, I haven't been around it enough to, to really know, but you know, these these big shows that everybody puts emphasis on in the wintertime, these these big jackpots of beef expos and all this other stuff, you know, what what advice would you have then for those that want to be and, and are competitive? And, and obviously, you know, you've been around uh, uh, some of those families in your neck of the woods that have had multiple winners and top fives and that uh, at these winter shows, you know, what are those? I mean, are those are those the kind of families that are just letting them grow and be cattle. And then when it's time to really work on them, you know, they, they can get them ready and then let them be cattle again. Oh, I think for sure. Yeah. I mean, one of the, the biggest things during the winter time for those jackpot shows is, is just keeping their hair hydrated, which a lot of people probably don't put enough emphasis on. And then you have dry hair, dry skin, things don't work the way they're supposed to. But yeah, a lot of those families, um, during the cold months, uh, less is more, and not to the point where you're, you know, ignoring them or not doing what you need to be doing. But, uh, yeah, some of the most successful families during those jackpot times that I've observed anyway, um, they get home from the last show. They maybe, you know, wash them out, make sure they got all the glue out of them. They kick them out, um, they give them feed and water and hay, and we'll see you again next weekend. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, yeah. maybe midweek or something like that to touch them up if they're going to another show or something like that. But, um, yeah, as you guys can tell, I'm I'm a big believer that overworking little calves in the fall and winter and spring is just absolutely shooting yourself in the foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Well, Trav, let's do a let's do a little social smash. Social smash. Let's see if I can go two for two on ad reads. Brought to you by Brad Hal Ford. If you get in a fender bender, maybe you smash up your vehicle. Visit Brad Hal Ford in Kokomo, Indiana. It's time to upgrade to that new truck to cruise into the next show. 
Brad Howell Ford has award-winning customer service that will lead you in the right direction on your next vehicle purchase. Thankful for our folks at Brad Howell Ford, and I did go two for two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is one of my favorite uh, segments that we have, and it's just because we have a bunch of them ourselves, and we look. Excuse me. We love to hear the guest uh, talk about their pet peeves. So I'm sure you don't have any, Scott. So can we jump right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, social media pet peeve. I guess for me is just the amount of negativity that there can be. Mm-hmm. Um, as an industry, we have to do a better job of staying positive. Um, within ourselves, because there's sure plenty of people from the outside that are going to throw rocks at us, whether it be PETA or a similar group. And I guess it's not just the show stock industry, but I talk about our, our beef business. It's kind of the same way. We all have to be supportive. We all have to be positive because there's sure going to be plenty of people out there that that want to tell the world what you're doing wrong. Oh, <laughs> yep. No doubt. Yeah, that's we've always talked about that too. It's awesome because a lot of the same pe or a lot of people say the same things as far as the the negativity goes. And and to be honest with you, Corey and I, when we started this segment way back uh, the beginning of the year, uh, it got pretty negative uh, just because we were talking about things that drove us nuts. Um, but in reality, it's just about how how people take it. So. Um, I'm with you airing out the dirty laundry and being negative, uh, on social media. Uh, I think it can be used very well, but, um, making, making questionable suggestions in your online sale write-ups. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. I get, exactly. I won't, I won't call anybody out, but we did see one last week. It was hilarious. Um, just makes, <laughs> makes you scratch your head. You're like, Oh, did, was it necessary to say that? Probably not. Let's not go there. Um, <laughs> without saying it. Without you even saying it, I can promise you nothing would surprise me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's that's the part of that's the part of the industry that just makes makes people not want to buy livestock from you, and and just yeah. you know, you're you're again goes back to the shooting yourself in the foot analogy. When when you're that way on social media or anywhere on the internet, it's. Uh, you're really limiting your opportunities if you want to be successful. For sure. For sure. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. So uh, before we actually hit the record button here, um, I'm going to throw Grant Malone under the bus on live on the live <laughs> episode. Uh, Grant, for those that are listening who don't know who Grant Malone is, he was on Trevor Nye's judging team at Blackhawk. Just we'll so call us a shout out. Those. Shout out to Malone. Shout out to Malone. <laughs> Uh, used to be one of those guys that was, was out at Scott Campbell's probably more than he went to class. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so, so Scott, we, we talked about, uh, you know, wanting to hear some stories and I texted Grant and he never got back to me, uh, with some, some lot, some dirty laundry on you that I could, I could, uh, <laughs> maybe make you feel a little uncomfortable with. So, uh, you got lucky there, but <laughs> what, are, what are, what are some of the funny and memorable stories that you've had? you know, raising cattle, stuff that sticks out to you uh, over the years? Oh, I have too many to count. But uh, since you brought up Grant Malone, I guess we can start there. Um, <laughs> Grant was, was in high school. I uh, went to Abingdon High School. That's about 40 minutes from me. And his older brother, Ryan, was working for us full time at that time. 
uh, just out of college and came to help us on, on cattle stuff. And, um, their mom actually called me and said, and Green had been helping us a lot on the weekends and stuff like that. But Jerry, his mom calls and says, uh, so Grant's going to start doing his internship with you here. Um, you know, it was kind of a high school release deal where in the afternoons he would come here and in the mornings he would go to class. I had no idea what she was talking about. <laughs> no idea. Grant had lined this up through his advisor at high school, told his mom, told everybody else, neglected to tell me. <laughs> so <laughs> within the next couple of days, the paperwork came out and we got it all, all taken care of. But it's kind of one of them things, don't you think maybe if you wanted to do that, Grant, maybe you ought to <laughs> tell us about it. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I knew it'd be fine. Okay, yeah. fair enough. You're, you're right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, Trevor and I were talking about the, we mentioned it in another podcast where we, uh, one of our best memories out there at your place was when uh, Boyert was on the head of one of Grant's show steers that probably hadn't been worked with uh, quite <laughs> as much as some of the others and and took Jared for a ride across down the hill uh, over to the, <laughs> to the driveway. It was pretty funny uh, watching him try to yeah. hang on to that calf. Old Boyard hung on. He's pretty ranchy for an Ohio boy. Yeah, hey, um, now. He easy now. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't letting go of that thing. Old Boyard dug his heels in. He had it all the way. I had faith in him. Oh, that's awesome. So, it's a funny story about that calf. That was Grant Steer. Back in Louisville, they had, the, they had a Shorthorn Futurity Steer Show. And it's since been canceled, but we had a pretty good run at that thing. And that steer, Grant, ended up winning the uh, Shorthorn Plus deal. Yep on that and and he'd shown him a bunch of the calf and we didn't take him to state fair i don't think um but that calf got in a habit where he would just take off and run well it kind of makes and, sense because uh his his back his pedigree his breeding uh understand now why that one might have a screw screw loose or two <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> so well yeah, he would just take off and run and it was it was interesting getting that one broke of that, so oh. Grant could get him shown in Louisville for sure. <laughs> uh, That's awesome. That was uh, that was funny because we all were we were watching the show at Louisville. And I remember uh, I don't know who said something to him, but he's like, "Whatever you do, if this calf runs, just just let him go because <laughs> there ain't no sense in holding on." Um, yeah, we we ended up walking that steer all around the fairgrounds at Louisville with a neck rope around his neck. <laughs> Um, that was part of how we finally got him broke of it. He would take off and we'd have a lariat or neck rope or something tied off to the wall. So he finally realized <laughs> he couldn't run away. So oh, here's okay. Grant walking around the major with a halter and neck rope in hand. So that steer knew that he had something around his neck and he couldn't, couldn't get away from him. Oh man. Awesome. How much of a Freddie did Grant look like? Uh, no more than he does now. Usually. <laughs> Oh man, I hope he listens to this because we're really digging a grave yeah, for him. This is hilarious. That was for you, there, Grunt. I hope you hear it. Oh uh, well, uh, good stuff. We always like. I guess I got stuck with the last question. It's an ongoing battle between Corey and I, but uh, I actually like to hear hear the the answer. I just don't like asking it because it's hard. But uh, Scott, where do you see the show livestock industry in five years? Bigger and better than ever. Mm-hmm. I really. 
I re- really, truly believe that. And I don't know if it's because Logan and Bryce are five and three and I want to believe it. Yeah. Um, but this thing, uh, I mean, I know it's kind of cliche and everybody says it, but there is truly no better way to raise kids, teaching them responsibility, teaching them work ethic. As long as people want to continue to do that, we talk about politics and we complain about cost and everything else. This thing's not going away, guys. Nope. Um, it's going to be here and it's going to be here for a long time. And I think it continues to snowball and it just continues to get bigger and better. I agree. I hope so. Anyway, we don't have that crystal ball, but man, I hope so. No, I, yeah, I get that. And, and I, I've, I've listened to some of the podcasts and I completely understand uh, some of the other people's concerns about, you know, the, the, how this industry could trip up or, or, you know, we're doing some things wrong, but, at the end of the day, the core values of it uh, aren't going to change. And that's what makes me think that we just keep right on going, you know, kind of at an uphill, upward climb, I guess. Yep. Yep. Man. I'm glad I, uh, glad you said that because uh, some, some people, you know, they're, they're, they are concerned with, with some of the dealings that have happened and, and, you know, where we're going to be if things continue the way they are. But, uh, you know, that's a, that's a real positive spin on that, that, you know, makes me, uh, makes me not so fearful to have kids here in the next, <laughs> I'm not going to even say, because my, if my grandma <laughs> listens to this episode, she'll be like, well, you should have mine. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, that's one of those things, I guess, being a, being a young married guy, your grandparents and, and parents want you to have kids. So right away, but, yeah. uh, nice well, to know that I'll have some little showmen someday that, will be in uh being an industry that we all still love to death so yeah yeah absolutely well scott uh that's the last question that we had for you thanks so much for uh jumping on the phone and uh calling into the show we always like picking the brains of those who have uh been doing it at a high level so uh, we appreciate your time uh, i appreciate you guys having me on absolutely appreciate it scott glad we got to make fun of grant for a little bit <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I hope, I hope he listens to it. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that he does actually. There you go. You could, if he wants to fast forward through it, I guess he can just go to the end. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. Thanks guys. Thanks yeah, Scott. Thanks Scott. Do you want to go ahead and close out? Sure. Well, ladies and gentlemen, what a great interview that was. If you guys have never checked us out on social media, I don't know how you found our podcast. <laughs> Please go like, share, comment, uh, tell your friends, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter. Uh, we're on all places. Uh, if you want a new outlet to listen to us on, we don't really have one yet unless you've tried out our new Alexa uh, listening uh, mm-hmm. platform there. But new website's coming soon. Excited to show you guys that. Uh, real thankful for everybody that's listened to us. Continue to visit stocktalk-podcast.com to buy your merchandise. Uh, we got hoodies and things like that in the works right now. So you, all you cold weather people, you can uh, buy some of those things. Don't mean to cut you off, Corey, but we got to remind these folks, we are coming to Louisville for a live episode. November 18th, 
immediately following the Senior College Critique. Guest to be announced soon. So pumped and so thankful for you guys. We love each and every one of you. This has been another edition of Stock Talk. I gotta go.